Teacher friends, I've got an analytical question for you. But before you answer it, I want you to really marinate on it. Because your first thought might be when I throw out these two options that one is good and one is bad. One is new and one is old. One is progressive and one is dated. But really, I think both options are awesome for kids. And I think they both have situational relevance. So the question is, when it comes to your teaching style, when it comes to your teaching philosophy, would you consider yourself old school or new school? Now, here's one beautiful thing that both of those philosophies have in common. They mean that you work in a school. And I am a huge believer that all personalities, all philosophies, all backgrounds in education need to be embraced because that is what makes schools awesome. When there is diversity, when there is differentiation, when there are different approaches to laughing and learning and living this teacher life. So the reality is I don't care whether you're old school or new school. I am thankful that you are working in a school and making an impact on kids. But in this very special episode, I sit down with my BFF, Jack Berkmeyer, and we really start to look at what those two terms mean, and we dive deep into some different ways that old school and new school can kind of combine forces and create school for today. And that's really important. Now, I do want to give you a fair warning that during this episode, Jack and I totally disagree. I get a little elevated. He gets a little elevated. It's all in good fun and good philosophy, but we definitely disagree. So disclaimer, if you disagree with some of the things that get brought up or you disagree with some of our opinions, please know that that is absolutely okay. What can you bring to the conversation to enlighten us and to maybe change our own mindsets? I also want to let you know at the very end of this episode, if you are wanting some strategies to impact schools today, whether you have an old school philosophy or a new school philosophy, at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you about a very special game-changing opportunity that's going to help all teachers, regardless of the grade level you teach, the subject area that you teach, the uh, geographical location that you teach. I want to share some strategies that are going to freaking make your school awesome because they're great for kids regardless of the philosophy. They're great for student engagement, student motivation, and more. So with that said, gear up for this very special episode, old school versus new school, which is better and more effective for kids. We're about to hash it out right here, right now. There is awesome in every single school day. the big question. How can teachers like us who love our job, love our students, and love being a part of education celebrate awesome even more in our classrooms and learning communities? Where can we find teaching tips and tricks? 
Where can we find engaging stories and motivational strategies? That is the question, and this weekly podcast is your answer. So welcome to all my teacher friends. My name is Monica Genta, and I am so excited that you are here listening to this podcast, This Teacher Life. Jack Burkmeyer, I have a question for you. I love it. Would you overall consider yourself old school or new school when it comes to school? I'm old school. Yeah? And, and I, yeah, I mean, you have to understand my training was completely different. You know what I mean? Like I not only Cause had- Cause you've been in education for 67 <laughs> years. <laughs> Doesn't he look good for 67 you know, it's years? Serious. It's it, the it's, Botox. It is. It's, you're, Yep. Anyway, uh, no, I, I, the reason I say that is because when I did go to college, you have to understand that, that it was just as much pedagogy as it was content. Yeah. And the joke is, is that I'm the most highly unqualified middle-level educator <laughs> in, the, in the United States because I'm still like short on credits because I was also dual certified. So I have mm. language arts and social studies. Yeah. So I could be on a two-person team. So when I say old school, I think part of that was training. I mm-hmm. had just as many pedagogy classes as mm. I did content. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, yeah. I'm going to say old school. Okay. That was a long answer. No, I think that's a, but I think that's a fair analysis. Um, I don't, maybe this isn't shocking. I definitely would fall into new school. Yeah. And I think it's for me is because I think as the world changes, I think the, the really important thing that we have to remember is education is changing with it. Mm -hmm. Our kids are changing. The climate and culture of the world is changing. And I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, but I wonder, do you think people are going to associate that you are old school and I am new school? Because of our ages, because of our experiences, because I know young people who are old school. Yeah. And I know teachers who've been teaching for 35 years with very progressive thoughts. So I guess, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think it's an age thing at all. Well, you know, I, I don't think it is either. I yeah. think it's a mindset. I think it's training. I think it's, um, I, you might not have heard me say this. It just popped into my head. Mm. I always felt that you teach the best teacher you ever had. Ooh, I like that. And see, mine. Mm-hmm. Would have been Miss Yellico, Miss Cervantes, and Miss Fromhart. They were my eighth grade teachers, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say what year that was. Okay, because it, it, it might involve a whole entire <laughs> depression on my part. Okay, because again, like I said, so if I taught to the best teachers I ever had, I was already 20 years behind. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So you're not in that same time frame. Mm-hmm. Your your best teacher, whoever that was. Yeah. Um. Mr. Mercer was the most old school teacher that I've ever had in my entire life. I don't think he was the best teacher ever because of his teaching style. It was because of his relationship building. Okay. And I respect that. Right. But you still modeled that. Yeah. In other words, like I wanted to be like Miss Yellico, Miss Cervantes, Miss Fromhart, minus the moo-moo and the hairnet. But I wanted to be nothing. Minus the moo-moo and hairnet. Nothing. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm going to make them listen to this because they're still alive. They're just at home. So anyway, uh, (laughs) which wasn't a joke when they literally, when I I saw them in eighth grade, I was like, I want to be them. So yeah, here's the thing. If we pick topics, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see how we end up describing them. Would they be viewed as old school? Would they be viewed? And please know we have not rehearsed. We have not rehearsed. Okay. So, and I also want to give a disclaimer because I think people associate emotions with old school and new school. 
Hmm. We are not saying that either one of these is good or bad. Right. I think it's just a style. And I think different styles are okay. As long as you can back your shit up. Yeah. And let's be honest right now. I think that the biggest thing is, is that how many of you are a veteran teacher? One day or more. Oh, that's, that, that's. <laughs> Sad but true. If you have taught for seven days and didn't quit, you are veteran. Okay. You are. You, are. you should get a better parking spot. Days. Right. Days. So if we put it into that perspective, yeah. we are all veterans right now. Because, yes. you know, kids, we talked about in the other right. day, the changing kids. All right, let's go. Give me a topic. I'm okay. so excited because this is going to be fun. Well, I think one topic that's um, really interesting right now is like a fluid schedule. Like, here is what you need to accomplish by the end of the semester. Here it is on day one. Go and do the things. Go and do it at your own pace. The expectation is that it is done in the next 90 days. Let's roll. Thoughts on that? All right. So here's my question. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing that there are opportunities where kids can literally say, look, I'm not going to do an example of an assignment. Like I can wait till the assessment. Okay. And so I can wait until the third third week to come in and take that if the syllabus outlines this is when these things are happening mm -hmm. so what you're saying is if the kid knows the knowledge then basically they don't have to abide by a, a nine-week schedule so I guess what I'm saying is let's say let's just use English as an example it's just an easy example to pick but I think you could do this with any class so let's say that at the end of the semester a student needs to have a five paragraph persuasive essay on a topic of their choice. And the kid says, all right, well, week one, what are we doing? We're talking about how to write a really good intro. Week three, we're talking about how to write a really good conclusion. Week five, we're talking about how to develop evidence in a body paragraph. Week seven, and goes through this whole thing. And the kid's like, yep, I know how to do all of that. Um, I'll see you on the day of the final. And I will write you the best five paragraph essay that you have ever seen. No, no. Wait a minute, you, you gotta be in here because I gotta see the work. I could show you the work right now. But why do, I, why do I have to sit through your entire class when I can prove that I am proficient in all of that and I don't even need to be in your class? I think there's still, what about the work ethic piece? So in other words, so we're saying that you can do this in five days but other kids can't. So what we're really saying is, is that I'll give the kids that can't do that potentially the time to do that and the facilities and my time and energy. If you feel like you can don't need those pieces, then you just hand them that assignment when it's yeah. due. So are you wanting to grade, Mr. Berkmeyer, are you wanting to grade speed or success? Well, I think for me as an old school person, I would think about what about work ethic itself? You know what I mean? Like I have value in work ethic, which means, I, you know, spending that time and doing that piece in regards to the pre-write, the post-write or whatever. I think there's value to that. But I think what if I don't need a pre-write? Yeah, I, I struggle with this because I am so much into that schedule thing. But mm -hmm. yet when I work with schools, I say, then why not change your banner to achievement is based on a bell? Because that's really what we're saying. So well, that's right. where yeah. I, I kind of struggle. I just I just question with so many other things, which we're going to get to one of these mm -hmm. topics, you know, like, do I question if the kid has really done that? And I think that's where teachers struggle. Like mm -hmm. being in my presence shows that you are doing the work and the effort, not in my presence means I don't know what you've done or if I know that you know the background knowledge or not. So I guess here's the thing. So, because I get what you're saying, and I think AI, let's just bring it up, is a thing. So 
I think there's not a lot of trust in is that an authentic example of kids stuff? Because even with math, let's use math as an example. There's apps right now that a kid can take a picture of a homework assignment. Yeah. And they're like, well, the, these apps can't show their work. It shows every single piece of work that the kid would need to prove that the math problem is done. You take a picture of the math problem. It shows the steps. The kid circles the answer and they're like, I should get an A on this. Yeah. I think I'm not against apps. I'm not against AI. But if we want an authentic representation of what a kid knows, then if this kid could write the five-paragraph essay in your class in front of you on day one of the class and say, Mr. Brookmeyer, I'll get out my Chromebook right now, and I will write this right now. You can lock out every tool, every website. Give me Google Docs. I will write this for you, and you can grade it. And if it's not an A, then I'll sit in your classroom for whatever part wasn't an A. But if it's an A, can I go ahead and move on to English 3? Why wouldn't yeah. we do that? I don't disagree with that. I think when you put it in that perspective, absolutely. I just don't know if our educational structure allows for that. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. This because is a the structure old school, problem. Yeah, that, no, no, you take this class for nine weeks. Yeah. And if, you are, if you're doing that, then you're still in that class for nine weeks. Yeah. So, I, you know, you're right. Maybe it's a structural change for me in my old brain to think that, you know, can we do this? I, I kind of feel... Like, you're right. If that kid can show me that five-paragraph essay, show me mm -hmm. that they'd be able to do that in my presence, I think that does deviate mm -hmm. my anxiety about is it real, is it not mm -hmm. real, all of those kinds of things. But I, I do believe that we are still teaching in the old-school model, which is you come every day. Yes. No matter what yes. I have to offer, it is obviously worthy of your time. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID did change my mind a little of that. Yeah. Because there were kids, especially in high school, and, and maybe... Maybe I'm putting this into three levels. My response for high school might be different than middle school and elementary. Oh, I absolutely agree. Because I think there are some norms that are important to learn. School 101. Yeah. We talked about that. Yep. School 101. So do I think this is an excellent model at an elementary building? No. I think it could be an excellent model at a middle school. And I think it is a very excellent idea at a high school level. Uh, now there's where you have me. Because mm -hmm. during COVID... Kids were realizing that they could actually spend two and a half hours of schoolwork online yeah. Yeah. and be done. Kids were getting jobs. They yes. were making money yes. to buy a car. Yes. They were supporting families. Yeah. And yet the model was, mm -hmm. oh, no, no, you have to come to school. And then when they did come back to school, many of the kids were revolting and going, why am I sitting in a class where a kid's disruptive, being, yeah. you know, being a distraction, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting in this class when really I could be here four days a week or three days a week and get just as much done. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would switch on that if it okay. was a high school mentality. Um, I, th I, I still would struggle with, like, what does that mean for elementary? Now, I think what that does mean is that if a kid in middle school can show me how mm -hmm. they are proficient in this, mm -hmm. and I'm here's where I'm old school, which is you still have to show me something physical, mm -hmm. meaning it could be also it could be a uh, an illustration, mm -hmm. it could be something written, it could be anything. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I'm not so rigid that it has to be a true false test. Yeah. Or a multiple choice. Yeah. I think there are multiple ways for you to show me how you comprehend that Ooh. particular thing. So let's talk about that then. Cause I think you just brought up a really good point. Let's talk about a true false test. Are we living in a world where we are still giving true and false tests? Like let's talk about grading. Yeah. Cause I'm curious, do you think a true and false test is a good indicator of knowledge in 2023? See, this is sad because I think it's the best because- It's 50-50. But the point is- It's luck. <laughs> okay. 
fucking hold, please. Oh, shit. I didn't know that we were going this way. And I think even now you're like, I didn't know that I was going into a boxing match. Okay. But like, I would much true rather, and false. No, I would much rather do that than the, than the ambiguous multiple choice where it's A, B, C, D. Well, and I two don't, of them are possible. Well, I'm not sure why we're giving multiple choice okay. either. So, okay, so. well, then I'll buy it. Because here's the deal. Is if I put in there, in 1492, mm-hmm. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Why? You can okay. Google that. If you okay, don't criticize if, the question. But I'm doing the true false, Mr. Burkmeyer. I don't know, <laughs> but the device in my pocket does. I know, but hope, well, I'm saying if I taught that in social studies, mm-hmm. if I say, hey, let's talk about why Columbus came over and here's when it happened. Yes, that is a true false statement. Did he come over during that time period or not? And if kids embraced it, yes or no? If the kids that do know the answer, they're gonna get it right. Kids that guess, you're right. They have at least a fifty chance to yeah. get it right. So I, I think it's actually the best way because. I think so many test questions are designed to confuse children. May I share an old one for you? Oh, I'm, yes, yes. All right. The old Iowa test of basic skills, okay. which is what I took when I was a child, and many kids did. And they were talking about writing these assessment questions. Mm-hmm. And it literally said to kids, which requ- it was for science, and it said, which requires the least amount of water? And what it did is it showed a picture of four things. Mm-hmm. It showed a head of cabbage, a field of grass, yeah. a cactus, and a flower in a flower pot. Uh-huh. All right, so get this. So far, I love this question. Yes, okay. Okay. But here's the thing. The answer that they wanted was what? Cactus. Because it requires the least amount of water. Because they were talking about arid areas, right? Okay. Well, only 40% of kids answered that question correctly. The other group of kids picked the cabbage because it had been picked and therefore was dead and didn't need water. Mm -hmm. And so I always joke, like, who do you want to teach? Cabbage or cactus? Meaning the cabbage is better thinkers. But our tests don't get them to the better thinkers. They want you to pick cactus. So that's why I struggle with the idea of I'd much rather have it be more fact-based. These two choices. Is this one right or this one right? Not four different possibilities. Here's the reality. From a teaching lens, I I went maybe a little hard on the, like, it's freaking 50-50. Yeah. From a teacher standpoint, do I understand why it is tempting to give a multiple choice or a true and false test that can be graded instantaneously no i get that the time vampire that grading is is a real thing yeah but i would much rather give a one question test that required analysis that required like math computation that required an explanation to prove authentic learning Mm -hmm. and if a kid could ask could say Here's why cabbage is the best answer because it has already been pulled from the ground. Therefore, it doesn't need more water. Therefore, that's the best choice. I would say, hell yeah, 10 points or whatever. But you're in, a, you're in an unrealistic world of, of state assessments. No state assessment is doing what you are doing. The old school teacher in me says, I cannot teach that way because our children are not being assessed that way. I, I... I'm going to say maybe that's not true because I have graded. Jack, you didn't know that you More are sitting next questions. to oh, a uh, Illinois science assessment of readiness for science. Okay. Where I was great. I was I was hired to grade assessments looking for keywords, analysis, explanation, that kind of thing. And there were open-ended responses How many? that I could score on a one, two, three, four rubric standard. How many are those on a test now? That open-ended. Um, that I I can't speak to because um, they they told me that I was grading too quickly and they actually fired me. <laughs> 
Do you know why? Because I set up a system. Yeah. I set up a system that I could grade very effectively and very efficiently. And they told me that I was a flagged. This is your story. I was flagged in the system because I created a system that could grade faster and more accurately than their computers. Okay, and I I think that I, that that is all. That's valid. another. That's, that's another, another. I love. Yes, that. but the issue for me is is like I said, if if I saw where state standardized tests were truly more in the idea of tell me what you know and how you know it, mm-hmm. I think then that would change my point of view as an old school teacher. Yet there are still questions that kids have to answer. That I, you're right. I, that I could be you. Googled yes. or whatever else. But again, we're not in a society where you can take a test and Google the answer yeah. either. So you have to be able to have that knowledge. Well, knowing prior knowledge means you have to experience it, yeah. test it, or witness it, or hear it, okay, so or let read me, about it. So let me ask you this. Should kids get an opportunity to retest? Oh, absolutely. Th- that's, know, kind as, of, that's kind of a new school yeah, approach that you as, have there. But, but when I was teaching, you know, I was the same way. I told my kids, look, and you know, we couched it under, if you want extra credit, redo the test, you know, change your, fix mm-hmm. your answers and re-answer, you know. Mm-hmm. So my, my old schoolness was really about extra credit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't about proficiency. Mm-hmm. It was really about manipulating the grading system so the kid got a higher grade. Do you believe in an ABCD s- standard? Yes. And before I do that, I have some, I have some very um, changeable mindsets. To okay. This. Okay. I, I do believe in an ABC kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I get that, right? And and who's forcing us into those things? It's it's again GPAs, those kinds of mm-hmm. things, right? Um, we can debate ACT, SAT, all that crap. But anyway, yeah. for me, I I've always disliked the grading system as is. Meaning, um, if a kid has ten questions and you give it a worksheet of ten questions and they answer all ten questions correct, what grade do you give them? Well, I am forced. In my current situation, yes. to give him a 100%. Exactly. Yes. And so what I'm saying is, no, wait a minute. That kid did the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Because how many questions did you want him to do? Well, 10. ten. Yeah. How many did you want him to get correct? Hopefully 10. That's a C in my book. Like, that's average. Because you did what I expected you to do. So you want them to write questions? Okay. If a kid illustrates two of those things, if a kid demonstrates prior knowledge to one of those questions, if a kid wrote another question on that, that's a work. To me, that's above and beyond what I minimally expect you to do, Mm -hmm. which is probably why it tied into standardized grading and that kind of stuff. Here's Mm -hmm. what the minimum expectation is. I just think people are still addicted to grades. I think parents are addicted to grades. I think schools are addicted to grades. I think that there's that mentality of a grade still shows me something. Yet, even the old school teacher knows it doesn't show you crap. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm a very, very firm believer of if a student has an A in science, that A should indicate that they understand the science standards that I have assessed. Not that they brought a pencil, not that they had their name on their paper, not that they brought an extra box of Kleenexes to my classroom because we were low because it's December and everyone's hacking up a bone, right? (laughs) That's... That those, I mean, it's true that like, hey, anybody who brings a box of Kleenex, I'll give you five extra credit points in my science class. Why are we inflating grades to communicate to parent that a kid is proficient when they are not? That is a shitty system that gets messed up very quickly when teachers are doing things. I think they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. They want kids to do well. They want kids to look successful. But I think there's a difference between kids looking successful with a grade and actually being successful with a grade. And I have a huge problem when we are like, 
two extra credit points if you can answer the riddle of the day on the test. I love a riddle. Yeah. But is that worth science credit? No. But, okay, old school Jack Berkmeyer, which is I actually see more value in the fact that you are never fired because you're too smart. Right. You're fired because you're an unpleasant person. Agreed. You're late, you're lazy, you're disrespectful, you don't do your work, you don't Mm -hmm. work well with others. Isn't it funny that... The things that make you far successful are the things we don't assess in children. Like for me, if if again, if I was to create well, the don't jack- get, don't get me started on well, we should because there should be a class for that. Well, and yes, because well, uh, you know right. how I feel about Here, that. But here's the thing: when I create the Jack Brookmeyer School for the Marginal, mm-hmm. because I I kind of just want kids that are normal, average kids. Yes, I would grade kids on the fact that they know the content. But yeah. also on being a good human being, which Absolutely. is, you know, late work, lazy yes. work, homework, yeah. kindness, mm-hmm. all of those things. I think those are just as valid versus saying, I'm just giving a kid a grade in language arts. I had kids that were A students that did not work well with others, and they were unpleasant children to yeah. work with. They mm-hmm. were not nice. They were mean. And then I had C and D kids that were the most pleasant kids on the face of the earth. And what am I thinking now? They're basically far more successful, potentially, than that kid that might have had all A's. Yeah, but don't you think probably those C and D kids, there was a group in that C and D group of kids who who could have passed your class with flying colors. They just chose not to. Like, they just said, screw you, Mr. Berkmeyer. I'm not doing today's math test. But they could have picked up that pencil and done every single math problem. Well, you two things. One, I taught language arts, and no one would have ever said that about me. <laughs> Okay. It would have been Mr. Jerkmeyer. I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And so, again, if I think you know my goal, ruler of education. Mm-hmm. If I really could be ruler of education, yes, I would change how we're assessing kids. But yeah. first, I think you got to start with the state testing piece as well. You know, I think that is the hindrance of where we are at. Yeah. And right now is pre-regurgitated curriculum, mm-hmm. which also is part of that. Yeah. And what we're getting to is more this robotic mm-hmm. kind of teaching. Mm-hmm. And I did this as a clue because I do want to talk about what we said at the beginning, which was the AI piece. Yeah. Are you for or against it? Um, I need to know more about it. And uh-huh. my initial response is no, because, but, but I can be waiver on this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Is because I was just recently... You know Elyria Public Schools. Yeah. We've worked in Elyria. And a teacher in ninth grade yeah. brought in an essay. And she uh-huh. goes, I'd like to share this essay with you. I was in their team meetings. And she put it up there. She goes, it's a beautiful essay. Yeah. And she said, but I know this kid did not write this essay. Uh-huh. Um, and so she said, did you do this essay? And she goes, yeah, but I had my mom help me. Yeah. And the funny part is, is that her mom is bilingual. Uh-huh. And so the teacher's like, well, wait a minute. You know, like, how did she, you know, like, there was this question, like, mm-hmm. what is wrong here? Mm-hmm. And so what she did was she literally put it through the, um, uh, the make sure there's no plagiarism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a single thing was plagiarized. Mm-hmm. Now, right now with the AI, you don't get many chances to view things. So she put it in, tried it, 97% AI written. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes for me is that that child did not write that. Right. I don't think that's what a child hands in. Could a kid use that potentially for a resource to then write the paper? or use that as a rough draft for knowledge base and background knowledge, mm-hmm. and then write from it, then I'm all in. And by the way, they then did my bio. Mm-hmm. They put it through AI. Yeah, It was a beautiful bio, and mm-hmm. I only was the only person in the room that knew there were three things wrong. Yeah. That's the part that scares yeah. me. If you read that piece, you would have thought, these things about Jack Berkmeyer were all true. And it was mm-hmm. minor. Mm-hmm. You know, it said that I was the president of the National Middle School. I never, I worked for the National Middle mm-hmm. School. I never was the president. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of stuff that AI misses, is some yeah. of those small, intricate details that if I was the reader, 
I would assume that everything on there is correct. Mm -hmm. So I hear you and I get what you're saying. I think I have two slightly separate thoughts on AI. One, I think it's a real tool. Why not teach kids how to use it? Mm -hmm. Email, if we look at email as an example, they're like, oh, this is going to get rid of letter writing forever. No one's going to actually jump on board email. This is scary. Who wants to be on the internets? Well, guess what? Now we are training kids how to write emails because it is their number one form of communication outside of text messaging. So like we mm. have to get on board. Email's a real thing. Let's teach, teach kids how to use it. Now we literally assign a student an email address at the beginning of the school year. Mm. Look how far we've come on that. Yeah. So do I think AI is an actual teaching tool? 100% yes. I don't disagree with that. If at this point you are concerned about it deteriorating education as a whole, very simple solution. If you assign an assignment to a student, then they do it in class, period. They don't take it home. Yeah. They what, Because which... this AI, let's get serious, AI is just now a fancier version of my parents did <laughs> my diorama. Is it not? Is it like we you guys have a science di diorama due in two weeks and the kid comes in and it's like a freaking like castle that they created and yes. Mr. Smith, I want to give you a B on the yes. assignment you did yeah. with the okay. diorama. AI is just glorified. My parents did my homework. Uh, you know what? I never thought of that. I like so, that. Easy. Do you know how we got around parents not doing the trifold poster? The science fair is we, done in that. We yeah. did it in the classroom. So if you need to write a paper, yeah. we have writing block and it must be done. And you submit that during class. Yeah. It's the same thing that I did with my, I was an unfortunate math teacher last year, not by choice. And my kids <laughs> and were yet achievement rose. acing every, that's funny and true. Okay. But my kids were acing every single math homework assignment and bombing on the test. test yeah. Their reality was so much harder. And I'm like, no, these are the exact same types of questions. So then all of a sudden, I said, I want to walk you through homework problems in class. Well, I didn't know that the reason why they were thriving, I didn't know about photo math. I didn't know oh, this yeah, app yeah, yeah. existed. Yeah, you can't. So then all of a sudden, they were then tanking their homework and they were also tanking their tests. Test. Well, it became very clear to me. I figured out what happens. So the new policy was we are taking everything in class. Yeah. Homework is graded in class. Tests are graded in class. And it solved everything. And that's a new school thing for me. I don't believe in homework, by the way. Oh, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, come on. Now, when you I know, say homework, I say two problems. Yeah, exactly. Don't give or me you didn't quite finish something. Take it home, finish Correct. it. Correct. Our kids are busy kids. You yeah. know I mean? Gosh, you got them in yeah. soccer. You got them in volleyball. Yeah. You know, the kid's in piano and he's selling a heifer. Well, I feel like that is a good thing to end on right there. All right? And you know, no, wait a minute, though. I do think this. When you do have a disagreement with a teacher and it's mm -hmm. viewed as, oh, he's old yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, this is a new teacher who, you know, wants to smoke peyote, sit in a circle and, you know, talk about world peace. No, that is not true at all. We that all must be really old school because I don't even know what the <laughs> hell you are talking about. I, What? I'll tell her all about okay. it later. The idea is, is that we do share some things in common. Like when mm -hmm. you said some things, I'm like, yeah, I, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And part of it I think is compromising when you talk to teachers is, is what can you live with? Yeah. Like how yeah. many people tell us that? Nobody. Yeah. I want someone to just say, Monica, well, what can you live with from yeah. what I just said? And yeah. you look at me and say, Jack, what can I bury you with with this? <laughs> well, 
Whether you are old school, I laugh at myself. Whether you are new school, <laughs> you know what we? Ha you know what those have in common? School. school. <laughs> That's what they have in common. So thank you for walking into a school each day. Thank you for being yeah. a part of the school system, even if it's flawed, even if it's effed. Yeah. Okay, we're part of it. Or and C or B. Thanks for listening. The relevance of things that were unpacked in the last 30 minutes is substantial. So maybe I want to challenge you to this. Marinate on some of the things that got brought up. AI, a flexible calendar for kids to complete work. The opportunity to do corrections and be graded differently. Like... What are your actual thoughts on that? And how can you move the needle on some of those things in your school? And my advice is to start small. Maybe you're not tackling a flexible calendar right out the gate if you are teaching in a kind of old school school. Maybe you're starting with a true and false test. Can we take a true and false test and require kids to back up why they put true or back up why they put false because that levels up a true or false question in a very big way now i told you at the beginning of this episode that i wanted to share something really special with you where you can get tons of ideas literally hundreds of ideas to help you regardless of your teaching philosophy and it is called the Game Changers 21 Day Virtual Course for Teachers. This is actually beginning in February, but because you are a This Teacher Life listener, I wanted to give you guys first access to getting signed up because in years past, this course has filled up. So starting in February, it's a 21 day course where you are going to get hundreds of ideas on innovative teaching strategies, motivational lessons, ways to get kids participating, raising their hand, boosting the climate and the culture. And therefore it will be a game changer for this school year and maybe for your teaching career. It's fun, it's flexible, it's affordable, and it is all beginning in February. So I want you to check out the Game Changers 21 Day Teacher Course because registration is open now and I get the opportunity to lead you through that course. You can go to monicagenta.com forward slash courses to get signed up or you can click the direct link in the show notes. Once again, that's the Game Changers 21 Day Course and here's a fun fact. You can earn up to 15 hours worth of PD credits for your participation. Check out monicagenta.com forward slash courses to get signed up for this super awesome game changing event. So I want to say one last time, thank you for being a teacher in a school. Thank you for continuing to be a part of this profession. Thank you for listening to this special episode with Jack Berkmeyer, but most importantly, truly from the bottom of my heart, Thank you for living this teacher life.